0: Push it to the limit finish. Finish. <laughs> uh, And that is the best rendition of that song you're going to hear um, today, anyways. Welcome to Stoner's point of view, a show where we provide high-level analysis of music and movies and our influences of such. Under Legal Canadian Cannabis, I'm here with my co-hosts, Terrell and Phil. Gentlemen, how you doing? I'm good, man. Hello, everyone. There's, there's a nice wave from T-Boss. <laughs> Phil, uh, Philly.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, you know, I, I uh, was not feeling so hot yesterday. I'm feeling a lot better now. Um, but And then right before I came down to record this episode, my wife looked at me and said, you look cool. And I was like,
0: <laughs> okay, I got a good thing going here. Let's do this. When you get that, when you get that wife vote of approval um, as a domesticated thirty-something, let me tell you, yeah, that is. Oh, mm. I felt cool. I still feel cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, before I, I get too far, I just want to say, um, if you're not following us on social media, please do so. Twitter and Instagram at the Stoners POV. We have a YouTube channel where all of our episodes go on to our YouTube channel. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, so follow them, check them out, get at us. Contact us. Talk to us, please. For the love of God, talk to us. Um, Touch us.
2: (laughs) Well, smell us. um, (laughs) No, you
0: can just just talk to us. Don't listen to Phil. Well, and (laughs) one thing I want to say is like, I I bet because I think I bet this happens all the time, but I bet there's some like closet listeners out there that are like, it wouldn't be very cool if I like talk to them, I would out myself as a mark, and I don't want to do that. And no, guys. Talk to us seriously. Yeah, like, it's
1: time to come out of the closet, guys.
0: Yeah, yeah. You can just listen. It wasn't cool ten years ago when we were in bands and people, you know, would say great set, but then actually didn't watch or care and would just talk smack about you behind your back. It wasn't cool then. It's not cool now. Just talk to us. Be cool. We're cool. You can be cool.
2: So I got a question to start the the show. I wanted to ask you and Phil and anyone listening. If you agree? You disagree? Let us know. So, who's a better actor, Pacino or De Niro?
0: Ooh.
2: So our main character is Pacino in, in Scarface, but uh, yeah. he's been known to act with his near and dear friend De Niro.
0: Robert De Niro, yeah. Yeah, definitely and... uh, an outstanding actor as well. Um, I will. I'll pick Al. I'll stick with Al. Yeah, and it's
1: I'm gonna not have just to go with Al. He shows. I feel like I could just think of a lot more versatile roles he's played than uh, than Pacino. Or sorry, then uh, De Niro. Yeah, De Niro, yeah. You know yeah. what
2: though, De Niro—the one movie that I really like about him that we should do on the show—and if any of our viewers have seen this movie, you may have, you may not have. It's Deer Hunter. Deer Hunter, amazing war flick, quite Sweet. the psychological thriller. If you haven't seen it, Brett, have you seen it? Have you seen the Deer Hunter? No, that's why it would be outstanding
0: for the part. Or yeah. De
2: Niro? Sorry, De Niro's in it. Sorry, and yeah. uh, Phil's seen it. Obviously, he's nodding here, like yes excellent choice trail and that's the best De Niro other than like taxi driver
0: yeah Raging um, Bull or like some but of the Pacino is the best. stuff
2: and the reason why is Scarface
0: yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah Pacino's pretty good yeah um so yeah as you guys may have surmised that's our movie for the day is Scarface and uh one of the scenes which we'll no doubt talk about uh features a song which is our song for the day um and it's we push it to the in. limit yeah. and the the problem with the problem with push it to the limit um, right from the outset, is it's not built to be listener-friendly because you can't find uh, a consistent version anywhere. Mm-hmm. And the version that's actually in the movie isn't the version that's on Spotify. It's not the one that was released on the Scarface soundtrack, even. That one doesn't have the, you know, the cool little whistle, like the Do-do-do-do. You know that part? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have that on the soundtrack version. It doesn't have the guitar solo. In the soundtrack version, like, it's just a stripped-down, and unfortunately, guess which one I listened to? The shitty pared-down version on Spotify. You know (laughs) what? You
2: You know what? This just reminds me, like, the show is called The Stoners' Point of View. Maybe these stoners, we should actually pick a version... To talk about because we do this like all the time with like yeah. movies
1: and stuff. The songs. thing is, I is, like being the stoners we are, we didn't put any any research into this beforehand. And so, mm. like, because I ran into the same issue too. And I was like, you know what? I should warn the guys about this. Then I'm like, nah, fuck those guys. It'll be hilarious <laughs> if they didn't even listen
0: to the right version. Well, the, <laughs> or, the worst thing I, is,
2: is, I listen to many versions. That's right. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> and one of the versions, um in fact, the one that as you can see behind me here, the one that was in the Simpsons couch gag. That one was the one that I first remember. Like I didn't even remember this being in the montage song of Scarface. Like when I hear this song, I think of this Simpsons vignette. And uh it's a fucking hat. Sorry. It's a way more rockin' version. It's like I don't know, it just feels better. But even so, you can you can uh put a pile of sprinkles on a piece of shit and it's still gonna be a piece of shit. So um what, let's Brett, get you're Saying
2: you you don't love push it to the limit is that what I, you're saying, Brett? I don't love push it to
0: the limit, but I'm going to try to give it a fair shake. Try to be unbiased as possible till the end when we get to our rankings and uh, <laughs> let's go. So uh, the main synth line that everybody knows, the doo do 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 it comes in and okay, Best it's part in, of the song. It, it all goes downhill catchy. from there. <laughs> yeah, it's admittedly catchy, and then uh, the singer comes in with some very 80s style singing, and it's just about like one of his lyrics is "Open up the limit." Like, what yeah. What are you even talking about, man? You know,
1: I realized actually just before we recorded this, Brett, this song, it it is literally, it is about pushing it to the limit. Yeah. Like, and that, that's as that's deep as it. it gets. Like, we don't know what it is. Yeah. We don't yeah. know what we're pushing for. You're just fucking, fucking giving her, as we say in Canada, bud. Yeah. Um, I, you know, like, you're fucking, you're doing about 140 clicks, you know, an hour oh, down the 401 around the and, and
0: scooching and in, <laughs> scooching
1: in for a double-double, bud. Bro, I got the Sunfire GT, bud. But Um, (laughs) yeah, there's just no depth to this song. It's just, it is 100% surface level.
0: And and in my head, I'm thinking, okay, this is like the redeeming quality is at least like the catchy, you know, hooky part. And then it goes into this pre-chorus and the vocals are fine in the pre-chorus, you know, but the chords, did you guys listen to the chords in that? They're like sour and weird and like not audibly pleasing at all. Like no. it, I, I I felt my ears getting offended listening to those stupid chords. And, and that's, the was, sorry, that just, so- it- that's the thing with
2: this kind of song. That's the thing with this kind of song, Brett, right, is that so like the 80s have a lot of like really cool examples of people using synths and writing like cool eighties like electronic <laughs> type like songs, right? You guys know the point I'm gonna make. But then there's songs like this that this is what people actually remember about the eighties and like the kind of music that existed then. And they associate it with like Miami Vice and Scarface and all that stuff. And uh, it turns out that this is not very good. And it's really like a bad example of that kind of like synthy 80s music. And what I hate about mm-hmm. this song the most is it's like it's like one note on the bass line for most yeah. of mm-hmm. the song. It just pumping yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, ah! Like well, it just
1: drives it crazy. Um, Terrell, I think I, you know, I I think I was actually the one that suggested this song. And yeah, like upon listening to this song without any accompanying media, like, you know, I remember it from like Grand Theft Auto and from, you know, from Scarface, obviously. And then like listening to it on its own, I'm just like, wow, this song, like I associate it with better things than this song, because like yeah. this song, it kind of sucks, you know? And, uh, you know, we haven't even gotten into who wrote this song, Paul Engelman. Um now, actually, I just discovered before the podcast right uh, works he's like a main guy at like some MLm company. It's like uh Xiao chai or something. It's like ch- a chocolate subscription service <laughs> like, okay. it's yeah, it's pretty great uh, Well, uh, imagine imagine you're underwear. like.
0: You're like running this chocolate subscription service, and then you just like part of your pitches. Yeah, I, I wrote "Push It to the Limit." It's like, <laughs> yeah, well, <and>
3: that's, <laughs> I what, what is like
0: a- what is "Push It to the Limit"? It's like, oh yeah, Scarface. Oh, Scarface. Yeah, yeah. No, I wasn't. I didn't have anything to do with the movie. They just kind of bought my song. And
1: yeah. I like I discovered this like about forty-five minutes before we started recording today. Nice. Um, otherwise, I would have figured out a way to get like the video, like these videos on screen. It's like, oh, how to recruit, recruit like. Uh, uh, prospects or whatever oh, there's like one word. where he's like here's how the compensation structure works like here's the graph or a diagram and it's just a straight up pyramid like oh, that type oh, of a guy, my. So-
2: he's the type of guy that adds you on facebook from high school and you just like delete yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. And like every one of his videos though starts with like
1: oh hi i'm paul engerman yeah you know i started out in the entertainment industry uh, i sang the title track for the movie scarface uh i guess he also did like the uh, the song for like the the uh los angeles olympics i think and i don't know what year that was but uh, must have been
2: the 80s yeah yeah yeah. yeah.
1: (laughs) like yeah he's just gone straight douche now with the with the multi-level marketing shit it's just oh I it really bummed me out watching that right before we started the episode i gotta
2: get it out boys hey paul if you're listening don't come for us just come for phil uh (laughs) set set us up twitter uh but Yeah. yeah i honestly just I'm not jiving on this song. I think the thing I I hate about it the most is that it just like it doesn't represent the eighties to me. No. And on its well, own Well, it does,
0: just poorly.
2: Yeah, on its own it doesn't. And then and then when you watch it before the movie, it's it's really like a well placed song. It fits in good. But well, and own, they only use uh,
0: the best part of the song. Like the part the parts of this song that are popular are the best parts, which mm-hmm. is probably why they're the most popular, because logic, right? But yeah, like Taking snips from this song and using it in cool things like this uh, Simpsons couch gag and Scarface and stuff, man, like, that was cool. But, yeah. But that is
1: the one thing that this song does have like its legacy it is like it is the montage song now yeah, and it's like yeah. a, a recurring joke in, in a lot of different like uh, i believe it's actually used in uh, team america world police they use it and like or some some version of this so it did become like a meme on its own oh, you it's know completely,
2: it's ubiquitous you see it everywhere yeah. now um i think what's interesting about it though the most is that it does have this enduring legacy, much like the movie Scarface itself does in pop culture. I think the song, just you associate it with Scarface and the story, and it was such like a big like pop culture thing. that mm-hmm. Whether it's the song or the idea of the movie, it just gets referenced over and over and over again. And before we do get into the movie, I just want to just say this. Let's try to limit how many Pacino or like mostly Pacino impressions we do. Let's try to yeah. limit it. To like one or two, especially for you, Phil. We heard yeah. you're Australian. Let's try to keep it chill.
1: Oh, you know what I learned today? Connor, <laughs> check this out. I learned that Australians actually say tuna and uh, Tuesday. Like, huh? like with getting the CH. Better.
0: With the CH. Yeah, song. they chew on it. They chew on it. Okay. All right. <laughs> I was um, listening to Jason Ellis earlier. <laughs> so this song didn't have a lot of substance to it. Um, and we tried our best to give it whatever props we could but invariably we ended up crapping on it like Castro crapped on the US in the 80s um, and so i i got nothing left to say about this song
1: <laughs> what do you give it out of 10 bretsky? a <sighs>
2: finger out of 10 for me. <laughs> that's a new ranking yeah i yeah. don't i could give it anything lower than like i'll get i'm gonna give it a 2.1 i, I just made that number up No, only because i don't think it's a two just because of the pop culture influence sure. but everything else about the song i just dislike other than it being in Scarface and in pop culture a lot
0: yeah
1: yeah like i'll give it a, i'll give it a two because like everything except the song itself is good here like the way it's used is good like it like it kicks in with a pretty gnarly riff and like you know the production's good but it's just like you like you know yeah it's 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 polishing a turd you know like it is just uh it just yeah, yeah it just doesn't work so everything aso- the, the actual bones of the song and 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 Paul Engman's performance by the way I love the
3: oh yeah that he yeah. says in the
1: song. but uh, yeah
0: everything else is is crap so yeah two out of ten for me. Out of ten. All right so with that uh that about does it for the song portion that might be the fastest song portion we've ever done on this show it might have
1: been the song ever. we the the most lacking in substance song we i don't know how to finish that sentence but yeah. yeah there's just nothing there it's an empty vessel
0: of a song right it's it's like two princes in that way mm, <laughs> kinda, no no <laughs> but uh, uh nice. so
2: hold on hold on before we go on i think we yeah. should say that push it to the <laughs> limit the song is the jerk of the week no yeah. uh, i was gonna give it to you. <laughs> yeah, I was going to actually give it to Paul
1: Angerman. I had someone completely different in mind until when I just stumbled across these MLM videos that he's he's putting That's out. What That's what I was going to say. That's what really had, pushed I, it. Yeah, like that pushed it to the limit for me. Uh, Paul, you fucking jerk. Uh,
3: <laughs> Phil Fro's yeah. jerk of the week.
1: I don't want your freaking chocolates, all right? And who, who wants to subscribe to a
2: chocolate service? Chocolate addicts? I mean,
0: but but chocolate is everywhere. Like you, you're in a grocery store, you're in a convenience store, you're in any store, even stores that have nothing to do with chocolate somehow have little weird chocolate things. Sometimes you'll like go like
2: in someone's office and they'll be selling chocolate for like their nephew or something. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah. There's chocolate everywhere. Listeners, if you are ever in
1: a job interview situation and the person Holding the interview first starts by saying that you can have his job pretty quickly if uh, if you work hard enough. Uh, don't take that job. And also, especially if you have to pay an entry fee to get the job, if you have to buy a kit, like, don't do not do this. No. And Listen to me, Paul Engelman. I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing, and it's not rocking, just like this fucking song. <laughs> don't like
0: it, Paul. We don't like it. <sighs> that felt therapeutic that was a i'm not gonna cathartic. lie i was i was feeling a little bit uh a little bit i don't know under the weather just not myself not feeling really up and ready to rock for this episode i came on i didn't come out of the gate strong i i i think i crushed that version of the song better than paul engerman did but you know i wasn't really feeling it and then as we progressed and i started to let the poison out a little bit it you know i'm feeling good now I'm f- i like when
2: we i like when we like find uh songs that we all collectively dislike and instead yeah. of us gushing and being all like oh, i love that song it's a sweet production whatever crap we say um <laughs> i love, i actually want to do more like songs like this that are just awful like really not really like well wrote like from a musician's point of view
0: we've been we've been kind of following that trend a little bit lately that like with the exception of last week the song was pretty good but uh most of our songs have not been great the last little bit but it is what it is folks (laughs) you're here now you've been with us this long and uh we thank you for that what episode Um, is this
2: is this like 23
0: 23 23. okay wow michael jordan number Mm-hmm. This is the Michael Jordan episode. Mm-hmm. We could have done that movie, the number 23, mm-hmm. with Ashton Kutcher. Uh, Jim Carrey, actually. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what right. thinking butterfly, <laughs> thinking butterfly. They,
2: they just had the same haircuts. They just had the same haircuts. It's fine. It's fine. They had the same, you know, like, that kind of haircut. Like the
0: yeah, little... Yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. No, for sure, yeah. bud. Oh, yeah. No, for sure, bud. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I, I do want to get into the movie. and We should probably get to it soon because it was a 3 hour movie so i can't imagine our breakdown is going to be short and sweet like the song mm-hmm. was so unless you guys have anything else you want to talk about we have an open floor now if you want to talk or we can uh we can move into the movie
1: oh i do actually have one thing to say but i also have to pee so i'll make it brief okay. um so yeah so i i get migraines every once in a while and uh sometimes they get really bad and yesterday was a, a was a really bad one and for and i've been having these for most of my life and the one of the only things that could actually help with that and, and ease the the absolute agony of it is marijuana yeah. and uh and just yesterday you know my wife's like well why don't you just smoke a bowl and i'm just like oh you know what like yeah like i've I was a little hesitant about it, you know, because, you know, I had fatherly duties and, and whatnot, but, uh, uh, you know, my wife was looking after the kid and stuff. But the point of the matter is, is that I, I, re- I remember a few years ago having to get my wife to, like, meet a guy I knew who sold pot. And, like, and it was all very shady and under the table and inconvenient. And, like, just because, like, I'm, I'm like, laying in a bed, like, just hating my life and so much pain. Oh, right. And just the thought that now it's just, like, you know, if I didn't have, some readily available from growing uh, i could just send my wife down the road to the store to go get some you know right uh, it's just just really awesome it was just like a hey weed's legal moment for me that just
0: yeah and and we definitely love to extol the virtues of legal weed on this podcast but uh i think it it is warranted because yeah the the convenience and a situation like that is a perfect example phil and like i can vouch for the the migraine cure oh yeah Um, I don't. Second. I don't get a lot of migraines, but one time I had one really savagely bad uh, in my younger years, and it was actually when Phil and I were friends uh, way back in the day. Mm-hmm. And it was his suggestion. He's like, "Smoke a big cacker," and we did, and it went away. To my yeah. to my absolute like stunned, like it, it blew me away. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I I know that it deadens pain and stuff, but you still feel that, right? For the mm-hmm. most part. But with that, it was gone, man. Like I yeah. I couldn't believe it. Blew my yeah, mind. I get
2: I get migraines as well and I I don't get them too often, but yeah, you know. I have to say that marijuana is really powerful and it's funny, I was just talking to a family member, she's a bit older and she uses uh like marijuana products. Obviously, she doesn't like vape or smoke or like THC. She does it right. for the CBD, edibles and stuff. Edibles and things like that and I think there's a lot of applications that aren't like openly talked about in society of marijuana, especially for things like migraines or headaches, or just like needing to relax at the end of the night, or muscle pain with CBD. And I definitely think it's something people should talk about more often. I don't think think there's anything wrong with smoking. If you're okay with people drinking alcohol at bars, or having a glass of wine with dinner to relax, there's literally no difference to smoking a little bit of pot other than you might eat like too much food and like go to bed real early.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. I totally agree. So get out there Canadians and get yourself some of that sweet, sweet legal weed. And for those of you who aren't Canadians, push your local, uh, political affiliates to make it legal. Damn it. Because it should be legal everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I firmly believe that. And yeah. Shout it from the rooftops. So I think that's gonna about do it for uh the first portion of this podcast. And we are going to kick back in with Scarface in one second. Cool. Right. I'll just do a transition there and it'll literally be a second.
2: Phil, that was all heartfelt and shit. I, yeah, that was, was pretty good, eh? <laughs> we,
0: all, we all we
2: all like What it was like it's actually smart though to like have more content where we like that's highlight. I didn't even think about it in that sense, I just kind of thought of it, and I was just like I'm like, as I'm saying it, I'm like, this is a fucking highlight that, yeah, you know what, mark the time down on that one and, and to make that a highlight because I think it's like, that's one that like is less about our content and more about like the issue that we champion we should yeah. ha- hashtag Seth Rogen on that one make him fucking talk to, about it too, because he's such a big weed advocate but
1: yeah yeah. alright I'm going to go for a smoke, I'll be right back
2: thanks don't piss your pants while you're smoking.
0: Started out a little rocky there, but pulled yeah, it together. I think it was fine. Uh, pulled it together in the end. I was kind of stumbling over words and shit at the start, but as I as I settled in, I started to get my groove back, and then I explained what happened later on. So I think it all works out in the end. But
2: yeah, I, I think it was it's good so far, man. I fucking I love roasting. Push it to the limit. Fuck that song.
0: <laughs> yeah, fuck that song, man. <laughs> I, well, I, mean, I tried, like, like I, I went through the song, and I wrote down, like, normally, I break down the song, and I listen to it, and I, but there was nothing, like, once you, you get past the main synth part, like, it was worth noting that those weird, sour chords just pissed me off, but other than that, there's nothing to really write home about, like, it repeats.
2: I, I, can't, I can't believe the bass line didn't piss you off, like, the main bass line, it's just so and the incredibly boring, like, it's such a boring mm-hmm. song, that's what I hate about it the most. The only thing I like about it is I get to associate it with Scarface. That's that's yeah. it. That's the only thing mm-hmm. that I like about it. And then because of that, it's been used in every fucking montage in the world. Yeah. And that makes it kind of more annoying and why I hate it more, I think. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, I'm excited
0: to dive into this. Me too. It's gonna to be a long one. Like I said, I'm gonna leave like kind of the the backstory shit to you guys and also like it's one of those ones
2: where we don't have to explain every single scene like the movie has kind of like a certain flow to it like yeah for
0: sure um but yeah the story i feel like has got to be told like yeah like there's there's some early parts that are easy to gloss over i i found but i wanted to still mention them because they they lend themselves to this idea of, the, like... The,
2: fir- the first part of him, like, coming in and living in the refugee camp. Right. And killing the dude for the green card and getting hooked up with Omar. Yeah, meeting, yeah, like, exactly. Meaning the boss and, you know, the... the That's fucking, it, just
0: the main beats.
2: That first the, bit is, like, really cool. But then once he, like, meets Elvira and he tells him that you need a guy with steel balls or whatever the fuck he says... Yeah. Um, <laughs> It pretty much just goes from him slowly taking over the empire. Right.
0: And and yeah. that's, that's a, what I basically do. I don't, I don't. Yeah. My notes are not super extensive on this one, like compared to some of the my, ones i My done. notes are always
2: ridiculous, man. But I, we got to
0: remember it's a three hour movie, right? So I do have quite a bit of notes, but per, like proportionately, like we did like event horizon, for instance, it was 90 minutes. I probably had the same amount of notes as I have for this three hour movie. Right? Yeah. So it's it's not gonna be like a, a play by play, but it is going to cover all the major points and at least open the floor. And I know this doesn't always pay off, but I like to get to every scene, basically and open the floor for anything that might have stood out to you guys in that scene. Sometimes lot, it doesn't, and we just move on to the next one. But
2: there, there isn't a ton of scenes in this movie too. If you actually think about it like from a filming perspective? Well, I, but... I talk
0: I talk about the the filmmaking work a little bit um so yeah i'll I'll definitely bring that up and we can have a yeah. nice little chat about well that. yeah
2: the, the filmmaking work is interesting this movie It is yeah. it is it is part of like what's considered like new hollywood which mm-hmm. like you know romero was a part of that with um you know dawn of the dead and shit like that so
1: all righty ready uh just let me pop my notes up here quick just give me one sec
0: oh da ba da do, da de, da 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 bo, da ba
2: Uh, fuck. Okay. Sorry, guys. Those notes are all just lines from Pacino. Yeah, <laughs> <all> it <laughs> it's just different
1: Pacino lines. I told you, <laughs> yeah.
0: I, so I bring that up, that that scene, or, or that line up. But I I wasn't gonna quote it. But Dude, you get it. You get a couple. You get a couple. So just use them. Use them wisely. <laughs>
2: Phil's just like was just deleting it. I'm just like, I'm just like
3: shivering. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> just it. It's yeah. literally all Pachillo la- yeah.
1: no, del- <laughs> It's honestly very few, very few. I know, I know. <laughs> I just know it's a
0: slippery slope to go down.
3: <laughs> I only got it. I was um, only got it. <laughs> um, all right.
0: You guys ready? Yeah. Welcome back to the second half, Stoner's Point of View. We're about to kick into uh, an iconic 80s movie. Scarface, one of our coll-
3: Scarface, one oh, of our collective one favorites, on.
0: one of our collective favorites here, and uh, yeah, I I don't think much prefacing needs to be done. Uh, I'm sure majority of people who watch this have like, already who hasn't seen, seen that. This? Who and, hasn't seen this. Exactly. So we're just we're just gonna get right to it. So we get right off the hop. Great music, the soundtrack so for easy. the movie is pretty good. Uh, yeah. Minus that "Push It to the Limit" song. But that's you know it. what,
1: even that song popped up against the this the, the <laughs> yeah. backdrop that is this movie is, yeah. is awesome. Like, it just fits right. so well.
0: So we get this nice little scrolling info dump with some backstory. Basically, what it boils down to is Fidel Castro, under the guise of letting citizens join their relatives in the U.S., decide to send a bunch of boats full of convicts and criminals, um, which to me, that's a crazy concept, man. Like, you're just, like, polluting another country. <laughs> by just like sending them all your riffraff, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's like the officer said when he's questioning Tony, which we'll get to in a minute. They're crapping all over us, you know. It's such an apropos line. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we get all these shots of these boats and shit. And uh, I want to bring up the di- director here for a minute, uh, Brian De Palma, and just like the the filmmaking work, because what I notice about this is like I like to pay attention to filmmaking aspect, and for me, De Palma is such a great chameleon director. And what I mean by that is his work is crisp and tight. And most high profile directors have like their signature things that stand out like we we had Guy Ritchie the other like couple podcasts ago and like he's got a very defined style. Like he's got shaky cams and like all these crazy shots, right? It's kind of like a signature for him. But in this movie, I feel like the cinematography and everything was just like so perfect for the film and so well done that none of it like stood out. In a way that was, like, bad. Yeah. I I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean in a good way. It was, like, so polished that I didn't, I couldn't really. You don't don't even notice it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's the thing is,
2: De Palma is, like, cited as, like, a leading member of the new Hollywood generation of filmmakers. So, like, movies like Bonnie and Clyde, The Graduate, Night of the Living Dead, which we just watched, you know, Romero's Day of the Dead. Um, so you can see this is kind of like a new form of filmmaking. I find that De Palma was—you uh, can tell—he's um, influenced by Alfred Hitchcock, especially like the the bathroom scene where the buddy gets murdered with the chainsaw. Uh, later on in the film, really iconic scene. But I think De Palma is an amazing director, and I think he's one of the the reason why he's so special is that movies used to be made by producers, and De Palma is one of the first people that like was a director that really controlled the movie and like was the author of the movie and really made everything happen and that's right. a big change in hollywood and that's that's actually one of the big influences of scarface that people don't mm-hmm. talk about because they're too worried about like saying al pacino lines shittily and talking about cocaine um <laughs> but the movie itself is actually like you said like the palma is we genius. are not worried about that <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah the palma the palma is an amazing filmmaker and this movie is a, a great example of that because like yeah how often can you watch a movie for three hours and be totally like into it, the pacing so That's good, for sure, and it right? feels like f- fifteen minutes later, you know, Tony's yeah, dead and the movie's yeah, over. We're... Like,
1: well, and that was something I actually wanted to bring up is, you know, like I always, I always bitch about movies being too long, but when they're well, like this movie is like I could, I could deal with like going more in depth, like you know, like uh, like there's just there's so many. More story, potential stories within this universe. Like I almost want them to go Star Wars with it, and what, just like, beat like it 1980s Miami. <laughs> but they're yeah, they yeah, to- like it's just I don't know. It's just like it just it left me wanting more. For sure, know, after three hours, which is uh, which is a feat for a movie.
2: They were supposed to make sequels. If you go on like line and stuff, you can see that it's been talk about it. But I personally feel <laughs> what makes Scarface so great is that it is like a start to finish kind of like whole arc of Tony Montana. And I, I feel like it would be really, really hard to somehow Terminator two Scarface. You know what I oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It
0: wouldn't happen. Yeah. So uh, speaking of Tony, we get introduced to him here. And what I have here is that uh, like Pacino, he just makes this role so unique as well. Like w- we all have seen him over the years um, and he's got this classic Al Pacino style. And when he does it in the context of this movie and this character, like it's just great. It creates this like very unique version of the Cuban accent. Like it's not it's not a crisp like authentic like super authentic sounding Cuban accent, but that's what makes it great. Mm-hmm. He gets
2: criticized and, a lot for his accent of this from Cubans and everyone. Yeah, although I, I will
0: tell you, <laughs> when, the when I was
1: in Cuba, the first time somebody called me Meng. I was like, I was just like, I was so full of glee. I was the bell <laughs> of the ball. You're just like <laughs> yeah. waiting,
2: you're waiting to see your... I was, oh, I was
1: like, know. does this, do they actually say this? And the guy's like, yeah, no problem, I gonna, I'm just like, I, oh my goodness.
0: <laughs> I can totally see, and like, I, I thought this when you were in Cuba, that like, I could just picture you sitting there with a whiskey and a cigar yep. in like one of your lounge chairs and yep. just thinking in your fucking scar face. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so Tony, like, He's getting questioned at the at the border and he stutters over cocaine so that's kind of like the foreshadowing early on when uh he's asked if he ever did it but then yeah, he he uh, explains away his scar and his tattoo. Um turns out the tattoo is actually like a like an assassin's tattoo yeah. or something like that but um he he passes it off he gets through. And yeah, we get a note here where there was some good dialogue in this movie because this is where we get introduced to Manny and it's Tony and Manny on the bus kind of talking. Well, before
2: we go to that, though, we got to talk about this scene. I got to say, the, sure. the when Tony does his, like, you own nothing, you got nothing. There's nothing yeah. you can do to me that Castro hasn't already done. Right, yeah, I, yeah. I got to say, Pacino is a really good, I watched this and I was like, Intense, yeah, right? He, yeah, he, is a good, yeah. he is a good actor. And I was like, I was all high. And For I had sure. like, my arms on my hips being like, well, this is a quality flick because he can really act. yeah yeah
1: yeah. well and like let's let's be real. like if you're you know watching or listening to this podcast you it's probably not the first time you've seen scarface you know or or you and uh you always remember it for you know tony montana being this super bombastic character and you i always kind of forget about that part where it shows the human element of of his character and and you know of that that deeper desperation like where that drive to to get more now you're yeah, in this easier place to do it you know
0: yeah and i like i like the earlier version of tony in this movie um like just at in in storytelling there's a you know a plot device called saving the cat and this is kind of like tony's saving the cat moment because he doesn't really do anything redeeming like in the movie so they had to find something else to kind of give us the the sympathy moment or the empathy moment with with tony and i feel like that yeah that authenticity right there where he was just like you know speaking from the heart that was that was a good instance of that um but then yeah him and manny on the bus we get some good dia- dialogue with the uh the sanitation and the sanitarium stuff um i told I, I about was, yeah Joe sanitation, or no, Joe said <laughs> that, 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 That's um,
2: one, Phil, that's one. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Manny, Manny explains the premise of the initial job uh, to take out Emilio Rubenga, and uh, apparently they get a green card for killing this political guy. So, of course, Tony's nuts about it. Like, right away, he goes from that, like, authentic, heartfelt thing to nuts. And he's like, I kill a communist for free. For a green card, I'm gonna carve him up real good.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> like... that, that's yours, Brett. That's yours. That's your one. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I figure we'll that get is... him out, we'll get him out early and often <laughs> that way we're done with it.
2: That is a good one though. I do love that line. Like it just makes you realize like you go from this impassioned speech about like politics and growing up under an authoritarian like regime, and then it goes into him being like, Yeah, I'll kill him for fun.
0: <laughs> yeah well, and it didn't it didn't hit me till way later in the movie and I'll I'll just kind of touch on it when we get to that scene but what I s- started to realize as the movie unraveled is his his opposition and his hatred for communism was so strong that it drove him so far over the capitalist bridge that like that's what led to ultimately his inevitable undoing um and it was just rooted in this like you know just fervor that he wasn't going to, you know, do anything that could be remotely considered communist. And that includes being a decent human being.
1: <laughs> but, well, but to be fair, he was already a piece of shit back in uh,
0: old, old, old Cuba.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right, right. True, true, yeah.
0: So then we get, we get the actual kill scene and it's just this riot and they're all chanting, Libertad, Libertad. And uh, they actually make the, the death super easy. They basically just like scare chase this guy through a crowd and like through a building and then he comes out the back door and tony just puts him down and once again the intense acting like he's just a savage like it's just such a quick callous
2: kill what i like about it though is the direction of this scene it really Mm -hmm. builds it up it like it gives you a lot of suspense about uh you know this this rebenga's guy's death Mm -hmm. and and that's what i really like about this part i I remember watching it all all stone being like oh i remember
0: Oh, yeah, it was one of those stones, like, so <laughs> like walls are encroaching on you moments, and I was like, oh, this is sweet, yeah, for sure. There
1: is actually something interesting I noticed, or, or something weird I noticed during that scene, um, because, you know, I had this movie on DVD, well, I still have it, but I watched it on a streaming service, because it was in, like, 1080p or whatever, it just looks better than DVD, and then I also don't have to hunt through my boxes of stuff I haven't unpacked. <laughs> But during that scene, when they're ch- doing the Libertad, Libertad, yeah, when yeah. they're doing that chant, there's this one guy and he like pops out from behind the bed and he's like, Libertad, Libertad. Like he has like no sense of rhythm. Like and he's just completely yeah. out of time with the rest of them. Or at least that was the case on on the versions that I have, have seen up till this point. And then it seemed like they edited it. And made it so there's not like one guy who can't keep up with a simple <laughs> chant like that. Because
0: that used to drive me crazy. So and that was, it was like that once was a I memory, saw it, I couldn't unsee it. That was a and memory that, of something happening that didn't happen in the version you watched this time?
1: Yeah, yeah. Like I, like, I own it. Like I've Mandela seen this effect movie. Shit, bro. I've seen it so many times. And so I swear when they did like the re-release of it on Blu-ray. Right. And like like the, the modern, like the upscaled versions of it. Yeah. I think they actually corrected that that little issue oh, there because a nice it,
0: little nifty factoid there yeah
1: yeah like I'll, i'm gonna have to go and dig out that dvd to to confirm that maybe i should have done that in preparation for this and, podcast but so hey, whatever if,
0: if you can't confirm that then you need to contact the whole like mandela effect cult <laughs> and <laughs> be like yo yeah. I I anyone else <laughs> remember this shit <laughs> so it yeah also, history has to be the way that i remember it also <laughs> yeah. this goes, this my goes memory back. couldn't possibly be wrong this goes back
2: to us having to. We should probably find the same version to watch all together. We always we always do this where we're like, Did we like see something that I didn't think was in the movie. It just sounds yeah. like we're high. Well, we
0: yeah. th- This is about getting high and watching movies I and know, making notes. So it's no surprise to me that that happened. So the boys, the boys Manny and Tony, they got their green cards, which means they can go get some lucrative work as dishwashers at a restaurant. So some some good honest work, and we know that's going to last, um, which it doesn't because like yeah. right away they meet Omar and Waldo, who are Lopez's guys. Manny has Wait, like even a,
1: before like just how angrily Tony Montana's doing dishes, like he's just oh, like yeah. like touches a plate, he's like fuck, like, it's, just, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so good.
0: Well, and that that ties in after so after they meet Omar and Waldo, who are Lopez's guys. Um, these guys originally try to lowball them on this weed deal. And Tony just shuts it down. He's like, "Nah." And what uh, do you think we are, baggage handlers? Yeah. And what I I have? I think you're a dishwasher, bro. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so, like, what I have here written down is the balls on this guy. Oh yeah. Um, But then, yeah, instead, uh, because of his big humongous dinosaur balls, (laughs) he ends up setting up this big coke deal. So the guys quit their dishwasher. They quit their dishwashing jobs on the spot. Well, sorry, Tony retires. Yeah. As he says. Um and then uh yeah, then we I don't know if there was anything else that stood out to you guys there, but um what they stood get... out to
2: me is how much Tony hates Colombians. I didn't For know sure. Cub- I didn't know Cubans hated Colombians so so much, but that's a big part of like why I feel this deal doesn't go down so well. Cause you right. just, they, it seems like it's foreshadowing him being like, uh, I don't like fucking Colombians. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. It seems like, well, well you better like them, cause they're well, doing it Well, or, or at least
0: pretend to like them. But Tony yeah. doesn't pretend to like anybody. Like yeah. he just—he's—he's he's Tony Montana. Um, yeah. So obviously, we're at the Coke deal. Tony and Angel get double-crossed by Hector the Toad. Angel ends up getting cut up with a chainsaw in an attempt to uh, to get the money from Tony. But what I want to say before we continue on with this scene is like just the way that Tony stands his ground while Buddy's just, like, making excuse to say, no, I don't have the drugs here. And then he just, like, waits. He's thinking that Tony's just going to be bullied into – and he's like, well, I don't have the money either. <laughs> like, it's <Yeah>. just like, <laughs> okay, all right. Um, but, yeah, then Manny and Chi-Chi eventually come in and have to bust in and save the day. Um, they end up doing that. Hector takes off. And then uh, I love the line here where he's like, Chi-Chi, get the Yale.
3: <laughs> just
0: like, yeah,
1: yeah, classic. Okay, that's cool. Well, that scene—it's—it's it, it, just—it's such an iconic scene, you know. Mm-hmm. Like uh, uh, even like in Grand Theft Auto Vice City, there's like an apartment you can walk into, and it's got like it's the chainsaw room from this movie. Oh, um oh, that whole game is an ode to Scarface. But uh, mm-hmm. um, I guess because they they had a very hard time uh, getting this because uh, the MPAA wanted to give this an X rating. And they had well, to send in really? like, yeah. And like, and one of their big issues was this scene and yeah. they're like, Oh, it's so gory. And they're like, no, like, if you look, we don't actually show anything. You Which just hear Hitchcock, the chainsaw like, yeah. and you see the blood. Deep yeah. Blood, yeah. You're yeah. right. Very good. That is very much like Hitchcock, but uh, yeah. So that was, this was actually a part of that huge battle. Uh, with the MPAA to, to get this an R rating as opposed to an X rating because wow. if it was X rated they it, they couldn't even market it, right? So. Well,
2: you got to think about it, man. Like, my thought of this when I saw this scene just recently, I have it in my notes, is this came out in 1983. Imagine we just took this drug deal scene, as basically as what it is, drug deal gone bad, and just went around and showing it some grandmas and babushkas all around North America <laughs> just show them this around 1983 and 1984. Those people would be freaked out. It is he murders the dude in cold blood on the street of Miami to end the scene where they just like, right. Oh, and and it's done
1: with that, with that, like that muffled realism. Like, you know, like they just like, they leave the guy dead in the street and it's not like, Hey, get over here. It's just like, they just like get in the car and fucking leave and get out of there as fast as possible. There's no ceremony about it. It's just so gritty. and just really sets the tone for the film.
2: And that's what's so great about it. Cause you think about it, how many movies are like that within like what? This is like the first like 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Like maybe Tarantino does stuff like this to like get you in the mood for uh, right. a, a, a movie. But like this film is one of those very few films. And I think it's one of the ones that I can think of that are that old from the 80 from 83 that is just like this scene is quite like whoa what did i yeah. just watch
1: <laughs> well like I was, like the, the first time i saw the movie like I, like to 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 you know paraphrase my thoughts at the time I was like whoa like this movie is not fucking around like they, <laughs> yeah. they established that pretty quickly
0: yeah. yeah and like speaking of that like when tony calls his contacts he tells him he's going to see lopez himself because i i don't know it feels like every step tony takes to do something like more tony ish Makes him more of a crazy, insane. I don't even know what. Also,
2: that's that's the theme of this film is that your 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 desire for power, your your desire to be greedy, your desire for more is not a good thing. It makes you a loser. It makes you a bad person. And Mm -hmm. and you see this in Tony, like, and when you've watched the movie, like I have, you guys have probably watched it at least ten times. I've I've watched Mm -hmm. it so many times. Um, you can see it right away. Every action that Tony makes is like very like egotistical very selfish he's always trying to get better he could care less what manny thinks manny's just along for the ride and like yeah he meets the new boss and like he's already angling to how he can steal this boss's wife and steal his wife yeah (laughs)
1: like right away and he's saying the boss is soft and like and yeah it's just it's you know like it's like that drive like you know like it's something that and and i find i i see this in like a lot of like uh a lot of like you know doc, crime documentaries and stuff where it's like they've got like there's this drive there, and if it could be channeled or refined into or you know turned into something positive, it could like these people could be huge, you know like successful millionaires right. in, in well, a legitimate and, world. But uh, yeah, I, I don't say, know, it's just
0: interesting. I'd say that that's what Frank Lopez saw in him. Mm-hmm. Like like Frank was not necessarily a dumb guy. He he got where he got. You know, he got to a pretty sweet spot. He had like cops backing him up. He was, he was coasting by making like a good chunk of change. And he didn't, he didn't get, let his head get too big. He had a smoking hot wife. Let's talk about that for a sec. Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer was 12 year old me's like super crush,
2: mm-hmm. man.
0: Like this was their first big, like
2: breakthrough role too, which is crazy to think like she, she did this movie and she's absolutely amazing. And I, I actually, I, I paraphrased her line just recently, towards the end of the movie, she says, like, we're not winners here, we're all losers, when they're in the bathtub scene and they get all mad. Um, And I love her character in this, because she shows this, like, this kind of victim of all this, uh, you know, violence and criminal, because she can't do anything. She's, like, trapped by the fact that she's, like, with Lopez, and then she's trapped when she's with Tony, right? And Mm. It's really actually a sad story, but at this point, we're in this happy place where they listen to rush, rush to the yayo at yeah. the club. Well, they, and we they don't they know go for all dinner. about this yet. <laughs> they go
0: for dinner with Lopez and they're they're at this club and Lopez doesn't want to dance with Elvira for some weird reason. Um, so Tony does and he's trying to turn up the charm as she cuts this scathing promo about a desert island. And like, what I love is like, she tells him off so bad. And then right after that, it cuts to him in the car and just telling Manny that girl she likes me. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I love uh, during that scene, like I love because like the whole like and this happens a few times throughout the movie when Tony's trying to trying to hit on uh, Elvira, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's character. He keeps on referring to her as Meng, (laughs) like like when she she tells him her last name's Hancock and Terrell get prepared because she's like Hancock. Just sound like a bird, man,
2: flapping around. This is a good time to take a point note that it is International Women's Day, and this movie, yes, like a lot of movies that are older, would have been hella canceled for the way it treats women, especially, uh, and the way that Elvira's character is treated. This movie is quite, I would describe as abusive by yeah. Lopez and by Tony, quite uh, frankly.
0: And, yeah, but and,
2: and Tony's that or Tony's that kind of guy. He says the boss is weak. And he basically says he uh, it won't last very very long, yeah. which is hilarious.
0: Well, and I like how when he's in the car with Manny after that whole thing, and he's like talking, uh, it kind of gets a little more serious. And we mm-hmm. get uh, the great line that like he's saying, "I want what's coming to me," and Manny's like, "What's coming to you?" He's like, yeah, "The world, Chico, and everything, everything in, it. in it." And I'm yeah. just like, "This dude's crazy, like crazy, crazy."
2: mm mm-hmm. um, Like that's not a normal thing. You imagine we were just driving, Phil. You were like what's next and I was like the world like it just sounds so psycho well you'd, you'd
1: like pull out a bag of mushrooms so as you said yeah, it yeah I
2: guess like yeah, yeah but like
1: um one thing I wanted to touch on just you know we're talking about Tony and Manny yeah. um something I didn't uh, I didn't realize uh, until I just I watched this, they did like a 30 year anniversary uh, panel with uh, mm. all the main characters. from. Yeah, I
0: think I saw what you're talking about.
1: And uh, so uh, the actor that plays Manny, Stephen Bauer, uh, yeah. is, that, him and Al Pacino are talking about how they prepared for this role. They actually like they like lived together for like a few months. Mm-hmm. Before filming, and they would like they would talk about their previous lives in in Cuba, like in as character. characters, yeah, yeah, in character, and so like that's it. like they like they have such good uh, chemistry on screen, and yeah. uh, and a lot of it is is due to that because they just spend so much time just like hanging out in character, just preparing for this film. And this is uh. a good
2: precursor to the next scene where they Manny tries to pick up a girl. Yeah, because uh, it's, it's three months later. They're at a beach. They've gotten more successful, and. Yeah. Uh, Man, he, Man, he's says, trying to... <laughs> he says the worst thing that I can't repeat, but he does yeah. it. Uh, action with his mouth that was quite revolting for sure and
0: and then he tries that as a pickup and ends up promptly getting slapped in the face and then what i love is the the heart to heart with tony and manny after where uh we get the classic uh money women or money power women line yeah um,
1: <laughs> but before that sorry there's Manny even before even before the tongue flick thing which i guess he actually he had to study how to learn how to do that for a while interesting. but uh, he's like He's like, he's like, you know what I want to want
2: someday, my own line of jeans with my name written, <laughs> yeah, yeah, written Which that. is which is kind of prophetic because, like, in the future, women would wear like like matching velour tracksuits with like sexy on the butt and stuff. Well, and right? I, I
0: totally see that in a character like Manny, just like well, this ha- this handsome Cuban guy who yeah, just just like... loves the ladies. Yeah, like
1: we're like like you're like I, I I actually looked at the timer at one point because I'm like we're like. A half hour into this movie, and Manny has already sexually harassed like three women. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, in the scene where to- where Tony almost died, he was like basically sexually harassing a lady at the car instead of protecting right. his buddy. Like yeah. he, he's the hotel so... room
0: scene with the with the chainsaw. You can see, yeah. see the blood.
2: You can see the blood
0: in the bathroom,
2: and Manny's too busy trying to grab ass. Like, yeah. like yeah. it's just insane how bad he is as a person. But anyways,
0: yeah. Um. So then we get the fun scene with uh, Tony bought a Cadillac for Elvira, and he's trying incredibly hard to impress her. And uh, so there's this one little tiny segment there where it's Tony and Elvira in the Cadillac, and the acting is so authentic. Like, I, I bought in because it's where uh, Tony puts her hat on and he's trying to, like, charm her. Yeah. And the way that Elvira starts laughing, that was obviously a legit corpse like she just gave into that like there was no way that i don't know it was yeah, great
1: i, I, I was actually i i saw that i saw that i noticed that too mm-hmm. um and like I, I i never i i think i probably had noticed it previously but it like really struck me this time I'm like yeah mm-hmm. like i don't i don't think that was acting you know yeah <laughs> and
2: yeah, that's so. the power of pacino's acting ability though right like every scene that he's in in this movie he's just electric. Like, you automatically, like, he's, like, magnetic. You just watch him. Everyone else mm-hmm. is kind of, like, whatever. And this is a great example of that. Because, like, maybe he did just, you know, improv that and stole her hat to make her laugh. It looks like that's probably the case. And yeah. I think a lot yeah. a lot of this film is is amazing, um, especially this next scene where he goes and sees his mom and you finally meet Gina. Yes. I mean, you, you try, you're getting all these different sides of Tony. And I, I love this scene because... Uh, it kind of, once again, shows how crazy Tony is. Like, he just shows up after five years thinking that right. he's going to just win the hearts and minds of his sister. With money. And mom well, with, with money. It. They're,
1: like, talking about their lives, and he just, like, he's, like, guess what? All that's yeah.
2: over.
1: Like, just, like, literally just stops. Like, let's get this back on Tonyville, you know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> All that's over. Your your boy made it. That's Yeah. It. but this is a thousand dollars this is actually the scene i alluded to earlier where i really noticed that like tony had been shaped by communism and was so anti tell me what to do that he started going way in the opposite direction um but yeah it yeah he tries to like give his mom a thousand dollars and she just like tosses it back at him and then what i love is after that like when he when he leaves like gina like chases him out she's kind of like like i want in on this (laughs) You know? oh, yeah. um and then we get a bit of foreshadowing here as manny makes a comment about gina's looks and tony is she shuts that shit down right away uh, she's not for you man <laughs> like,
2: well it's a big bit of foreshadowing if you right you think about it because this is one of the keys of tony actually of, of the end, on, yeah 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 of the end of the so, movie so uh, let's put a, now let's we put go a to Bol- pin yeah, in that one put a pin in that go to bolivia
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Tony's earned Frank's trust, becomes a a high-ranking guy for him, and we get the scene in Bolivia where he's arranging the deal for Frank. And what I love about this whole scene is, like, we could talk about the the specifics and the nuances of this scene, and I'm sure there's going to be some great bits that you guys notice. For me, I just, like, was enraptured by, this is Tony taking the next step in the ladder. Like, and you wonder how far he can go. The fact that here he is now, with the Bolivian supplier and basically just like slowly take it over. He wins over the he negotiates the deal, he wins over Sosa. Omar gets killed. And they <laughs> they say he was a cop. And like I love how in that scene, like immediately,
1: like, like Tony sees it, and he's like, That piece of shit up there. I, I never tr- I,
0: <laughs> I never trusted him. Which
2: is which is crazy because he's literally he's like, you see a little shot of him all like crying and bloody. And then they hang him from the helicopter. And then they fly away with his body, like dangling. It's so, like, just so, like, and that got by. That's not X-rated. Like, I don't know how that got by. That, that's, they were, they're upset by the first thing. And this one is even yeah. more graphic, I think. Because I, I saw that in real life. I'd be like,
0: oh, oh, oh. So oh, yeah. <laughs> this, this just popped into my head. As sales guys, okay, I know a drug deal is a little bit different. But as sales guys, let's face it, like, Omar was doing a pretty terrible job at negotiating oh, yeah. that deal
1: <laughs> yeah oh yeah so, well and it was like it was clearly like because like you you know you've been on uh if you've been on like a tandem uh sales call before uh you know like if, if your buddy is like killing it that you you just you shut yeah. up and you let them kill it and like even if even if they're saying some stuff that maybe you don't agree with you let them have that rapport that connection and then you say you know and then you you, you let them build that first because that's what gets you to the sale even if you have to iron out the details later
2: and the best thing about this scene that i liked is that you know talking about it from a sales guy uh what i liked was that in negotiation what they teach you is that everyone has like a, a list they have a list of strengths and weaknesses and you have a list of strength and weaknesses and tony clearly is like doing this as like oh you know, seven k a key to move it, and he's like, "Oh, we're gonna split the rest." And they're like, "Oh, guaranteed delivery." You have to actually know like the ins and outs of your industry and what you're selling mm-hmm. to be able to have that kind of conversation. And you can really tell that like, even though Tony is a psycho, he really does know how to deal drugs and how it works and how to make money. And he he overperforms Omar by like a lot. It's so much so that like, I, what I love about this scene is that like Omar shows kind of his true colors, but he's just like doesn't really like know what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually love this scene. I I love the part where um you know he talks like why don't I go back and talk to Frank and I'll fix things between us. And you get the mm-hmm. scene, the famous line from Sosa where he's like, "Don't fuck me, Tony. Yeah. you ever tried to, to fuck me?" You ever yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So then I see that at in... the end of all my business deals.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Back at the end with uh with Lopez and Tony there's some tensions rising just cuz uh, Tony was being so cavalier with his dealings and stuff and Frank thinks Tony overstepped and took a bad deal he thinks Sosa's going to eventually screw him and stuff and all Tony's thinking about is growing expanding yeah. his ambition his this is this is the kind of the moment where his ambition really starts to kind of turn to greed and i mean we saw flashes of the greed earlier but here's kind of where i felt was sort of where the the wheel kind of switched At this Um, point,
1: all I could see in this scene was the decor in Frank's office, like this green (laughs) screen background. That's part of it. That's one wall that has like a hidden door in it. There's like the front end of a Cadillac that like Tony's leaning on, like during this whole scene and like crazy modern art. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. You know what explains this? Uh, The 80s, lots of cocaine and living in Florida. Like that's yeah. like, that's the only that combination, that perfect storm can result in, in decor like that.
2: What I liked about <laughs> this scene is when Frank orders Tony to stall Sosa on this deal, you get this line that is like, once again, they're kind of building on what's going to happen. And he says, you know, the guys who last are the guys who fly straight, low key, quiet, the guys who want it all kind champagne flash. They don't last. And then Tony's like, you finished. Can I go now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that goes to show like, he just is like, he doesn't realize that you know lopez is right that he's like on this path of destruction and it's not going to end up good for him and, and we constantly see this in this film and, and mostly i don't think most people casual film goers get that like they're constantly referencing the fact that like tony's on this path to destruction
1: yeah yeah well and like and lopez even uh, like when they when first takes them takes tony and uh, and manny out to uh uh what's so the, the club.
0: yeah I, I, I can't remember the name of the club either, but I know it's you uh, But about.
1: anyways, uh, when he first takes them out, you know, he says like, oh, this guy, El Gordo, uh, he's a real Hasa. You know what a Hasa is, Frank? And like you say, it's, it's a a pig who wants more than he needs and don't fly straight anymore. And yeah, yeah it does keep coming up. But like right at the beginning, uh, you know, Frank said that to him. And, uh, and yeah, Tony just... It's just weird. Like, yeah, you realize, like, after watching them, you're like, oh, yeah, Frank was actually right. Like, he had, he was making all the right moves and low key and just didn't want more than what he needed.
0: Mm-hmm. And there's a few, there's a few uh, consecutive scenes where the Tony Frank split kind of like becomes more solidified. um First one, he comes back to see Elvira and straight up says he don't care about Frank no more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But then yeah. he wins her over with some smooth dialogue. So good on him. Um, and then we also have the club scene with the uh, milk-drinking NARC officer. And this is kind of where the, the final straw happens with Lopez and Tony because he just realizes that Lopez sold him out to the cop. And this is also the beginning of Tony's paranoia meltdowns. Um, he He's not super paranoid yet. Uh, he, he freaks out for another reason. He sees uh, Gina dancing with uh, this other gangbuster. Uh, What was the name? Fernando. Was his name Fernando? I think it was
2: something like that.
0: But yeah, this is like the slow beginnings of his unraveling. He, he like chases, yeah, he chases Gina and Fernando into a bathroom and basically like accosts the guy. And anyways, she gets mad. Blah blah blah. He sees these dudes in the club with the guns now, and something's up.
2: He doesn't actually see them. He's too wasted. No, sorry. Enjoy, sorry, enjoy. we
0: see them. Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: he's too wasted enjoying
0: the comedian. Yeah. You know,
1: uh-huh. that scene when he's sitting there and just all bummed out and wasted, I saw that scene and it just, like, the first thing that popped in <laughs> my mind is like, oh, like, that's somebody sitting on their smartphone. Uh, like, you know, like, like that's <laughs> that's what people look like in public now.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, Tony ends up getting shot, but he's able to actually... Uh, get out of the situation and
2: uh by shooting him in the legs does he take
0: both of them out
2: by shooting him in the legs and then the one guy the one guy kills himself by shooting like a psycho and the lights fall on him right 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 that's what it was
0: so
1: that weird clown guy that's uh, uh, like entertaining during that scene and he gets shot and Mm -hmm. tony ends up using his corpse as cover Ah, uh, that was another thing the MPAA had a huge issue with was the clown mm. getting shot. They really <laughs> did not like that. They wanted, because uh, yeah, I think yeah, De Palma uh, ended up sending five different, I think I believe it was five different edits of this film uh, oh, to really? uh, the MPAA to get this done. Done, and they kept on coming back with no. And so finally, he was like, you know what? Like I'm done. And he talked to Universal, and Universal actually went to went to war with the MPAA essentially and threw their weight around. <clears throat> and uh, so finally, they said, "Okay, you know, no problem. We'll give it an R." And De Palma sneakily sent the original cut of this movie for the mm-hmm. final printing. So there's no director's cut of this movie because the director's cut is actually the version that that you see now, which is Wait. a really cool story. Explains yeah, why it's three hours long. Cool only, yeah. a
2: direct- <laughs> <laughs> only a director would be so pompous to make a three hour movie and be like, "That's fine." Send it. It'll be huge. Yeah. It'll make
0: yeah. sense. It'll- <laughs> well, he's probably banking on the three-hour timestamp to say that they're probably not going to scour through every minute <laughs> yeah, of this movie. Yeah, yeah, Um, But yeah, Uh, what I like also about this is, like, Tony actually pulls off a pretty slick plan to, like, out Frank as a rat with the whole 3 a.m. call. Like, I yep. want you to call him at 3 a.m. and say that uh, I got away or whatever. Uh Yeah, I just thought it was genius. And then when he finally confronts Frank... Like it's just a great scene. Frank's trying to cover up when he gets the call. He's trying to cover up by saying it's Elvira. and Now Tony knows for sure. He got he got knocked out. Yeah. Um, I love the line where he's like, "I made what I could on the side, but I never turned you, Frank." And like it's just yeah. that intensity, that Pacino intensity is there, right? Um, and I I also love how this situation just turns from Frank being like all high and mighty at the start of the meeting, to like, like once groveling. he's outed as a rat, he starts begging for his yeah. life, yeah, just groveling. It's just yeah. a a great tables or turn scene, even oh, though well, I, I got to
1: use another one of mine. When he's like, he's like, I'm not gonna, no, I'm not gonna kill you, Frank.
2: Manolo, shoot that piece of shit. So, yeah. <laughs> what I, I what I love in this scene is when he kills Mel, the the the, the police officer, and he shoots him yeah. in the stomach, and he gives him a first class ticket to the resurrection. I love <laughs> that. It's because he he bribed him for two round trip tickets to London in their first yeah. interaction. And then he he says, that's my favorite Pacino line, like, of Scarface. And even,
1: like, even right before, like, because, like, after he shoots Frank, after Manny shoots Frank, Tony sits down, and Mel's like, yeah, I told him. He's just, like, (laughs) losing confidence, and, like, mid-sentence just gets shot in the gut. He's like, what? Like, you can't shoot a cop? (laughs) Whoever said you was one, you know, like, it's just, oh, so good. Like, Tony is just, like he's he clearly at this point like believes he is invincible and the funniest and, uh, yeah
2: the funniest part about the seed is when it's just like it's all over they're like you want a it's job you. ernie yes. yeah <laughs> the music cuts out, like buddy's just sweating you want a job
0: <laughs> yeah yeah
2: sure, like, you, you call so, you call me tomorrow you call me tomorrow <laughs> yeah
0: yeah yeah i i love that uh Little recruitment. Oh,
1: and and there it's was such like it's such a nice little moment of levity, like after like because that scene is so right. intense and it's, it's oh, a yeah. long scene, and, and, and there's like, a lot
0: of like, shock value, like you said, the uh, the cop getting shot. It could, comes out of nowhere, right? So, yeah. yeah. You're kind of shell-shocked a bit, so yeah, it's nice to have that sort of...
1: Uh, yeah, it's like that little pressure release valve or yeah,
0: something at the end of the exactly. scene. And then we uh, we get perhaps the most on-the-nose foreshadowing in the whole movie with uh, Tony seeing the world is yours on a blimp. On a blimp.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, oh, and then... then i lo- got to love this about Elvira, Elvi- too, or Elvira. Sorry, Brett, if you were going to get to this, but yeah, yeah so he then, goes up to her room and is like, yeah, so I just murdered your husband, and she's just like... <laughs> hey, as long as there's cocaine and money, I'll just come live with you now, you know? Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> well, and- well, and that goes back to what I was saying, though. Like, what other choice does she have? What is what? Do you, would you say no to a guy like Tony Montana? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what other, what other choice does she have? And, like, what I think is is so crazy is that um, she just, like, just is, like, completely emotionless about it, which is, like, just shows that she's just, like, in a hopeless, hopeless situation, Which which most people don't talk enough about this movie, is that like, Elvira's character is quite, like, sad. Like, it's kind of a tragic character, if you think about it.
0: At the same time, and I, I do totally agree with you, but it's not like she was taking any steps to no, get out of didn't. that. No, she, she was perfectly happy when with the money leave, and the but, drugs,
1: right? She does yeah. end up leaving, and, like, it's, like, not like Tony's, like, chasing after her, you know? No. He's dealing with his own shit. and And I think, too, part of it is you know when she does leave sorry to skip around to here a bit, a bit right. but he's such a he's such a uh, an egomaniac that he just thinks she's gonna come back
0: yeah, yeah exactly um so right at this part is where we get the montage where the push I, was gonna, to the limit. I was gonna I'll skip over it because I'll- i've had enough of this damn song but it's a cool montage it's Tony making a bunch of money he marries Elvira he sets up his empire because it would it really be an 80s movie without a montage feeling like the montage, it is I love the, the cheesy shot of
1: like Tony like on the phone like just like oh yeah no I'll totally buy more coke off of you like, yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part is when he shows everyone his pet tiger like he gets married he's like hey everyone check this out and he's like, hey, you guys want to check out my pet tiger? Like, you know what I mean? Like, who does that?
0: Yeah, well, and and I love this. He He sets himself up so well to the point that the bank can't take any more of his cash at the current rate. Like, they have to charge him more. And he's such a greedy pig that he can't accept that the rate is going up. Like, he lets it affect him so deeply mentally that it's like... Like you needed any more stress well, on your psyche, Tony. That's one of
2: his mistakes, though, because he lets Manny yeah. get this guy that who is is a cop actually, and right. isn't. And what ends up happening is is like he he foreshadows this. He says he's like we're getting sloppy because we're not hungry anymore, which is actually a very true and good way mm-hmm. to think about when yeah. you're doing very illegal criminal things. You can't become sloppy. You can become b- too big, though. And yeah,
0: well and he, that's that's capitalism, right? And Yeah, exactly. And like that's the conversation that that we get that eventually leads into the Tony Hot Tub scene, which was which the source of many yeah. a college dorm poster in 2005, 2006. Oh, yes. Um bunch of uh a dorm bros uh idolizing Scarface, which is a conversation for a different day, but um yeah, being rich is clearly starting to get to him. He has a fight with uh, Elvira, which has the oft-quoted line in our friend group, I was only Karen. <laughs> Um My favorite
2: and, line uh, in this this part is when he, at the end, he was like, like who do I trust? Me. Like, he's just, <laughs> <laughs> like, like <laughs> But he's by himself, right? So he's
0: talking <laughs> yeah, to himself. Yeah. The one
1: thing that stuck out to me that, uh, on this watch through that I don't think I really appreciated before is when he, Manny gets pissed off and like Manny leaves the room and he's just like, you know what? Gino or Elvis Vino's right. Joe are an asshole, man. And Tony's just like, hey, come here, give me a kiss. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like yeah. Tony Montana, he's, he's so nasty and evil, but he's yeah. fucking hilarious. Like yeah, he yeah. has so many hilarious lines in this movie. <laughs>
0: so, yeah, then like you were mentioning there, Terrell, they go to see this Jewish money counter that Manny found. That's apparently going to give them a better rate to launder the money. And uh, the one filmmaking thing that I did like is the way they made the time pass in the money counter scene with just like this cool shot of the old clock. And then the hands just like cross dissolve into like a later time. Is it just it
1: me like, or should that clock like that clock might as well have just said like not a camera on it. Like yeah. <laughs> like there was no number
3: 12. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, And, and it so it, it should have been obvious, but it wasn't um it turns out to that that there was a camera and it turns out to be a sting and tony gets burned and my first thought here was this this was the note i took i was like that'll help with his paranoia <laughs> like, yeah. um but yeah unbelievably posts a five million dollar bail
2: no problem but he, makes facing, he makes that in two weeks yeah exactly <laughs> he,
0: he's facing some jail time so uh sosa brings him in and uh, him and his crew are kind of feeling the heat because there's this Bolivian journalist who's talking all this mad shit about them and is kind of like outing them publicly. Um, so if Tony takes care of this guy, then all his jail problems go away and all of Sosa and his partner's problems go away. So it really hinges on this one thing. But right off the hop, Tony doesn't like it because although he's become a rich, greedy, addict, piece of garbage, kind of, he uh, he definitely won't kill a civilian who didn't do anything to him. <laughs> but Uh, still as he said he'd rather die than spend a single day in jail so he agrees to do it and uh then we get the split scene with elvira um the restaurant scene with tony just getting hammered and he's he's (laughs) drunker than he was in the club scene at this point (laughs) Mm -hmm. oh yeah (laughs)
3: he's hammed. yeah
0: um and yeah it's funny because he's just like completely ignoring all the things like slowly starting to unravel around him and then elvie leaves and uh So then he has a business conversation with Manny, tells him he has to look after things while Tony goes to New York. Manny doesn't know what the hell is happening, so he walks out. And then we get the drunken monologue in the restaurant, which I actually really liked. There's some great stuff in there, especially like the way it kind of ended, uh, where he's like, I always tell the truth, even when I lie. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, you need people like me so you can say, there's the bad guy. He's like, so say goodnight to the bad guy. i just like, say <laughs> Say so goodnight a... to the bad guy. You, that, gotta say a... you
2: gotta say that one with the accent. Come on. It's just <laughs> so good, man. The thing I love about that scene, it just reminds you of like every time that you're like at a party or whatever and someone is like the drunk jerk and
0: like has told to leave. they're, yeah. they're, they're it always, tries... they, they But always their mic to drop that. scene is nowhere near as good as this one. <laughs> but it yeah, just reminds well, you. Like...
1: Hey, you know what? If, if we want to go do a... Um way back throwback to our, our Days of Confused Retrospective, episode. Retrospective, yeah. Yeah, when, uh, what's his face, Ben Affleck's character, when, he, right. when he's all drunk and everyone's just like, dude, fuck off, and he's still just yelling and shit. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's um, the exact polar opposite of that.
1: Funny thing about that scene is, uh, or, or one of the funny things about that, that was uh, when Michelle Pfeiffer was auditioning for the movie, I guess Al Pacino uh, did not want her for the role. And uh, but the like the the casting directors or whatever were really lobbying for her, so she actually auditioned multiple times, and one of the times was doing this scene, and it was she was like. She was like, it was my last time I was going to go for this. I just didn't care anymore. And so I just went nuts and started throwing plates and like really like got physical with it. And uh, I guess at the end, there was all this blood everywhere. Everyone thought she had cut herself. She had actually cut Al Pacino. And then after that audition, Al Pacino was just like, yeah, I want this girl. uh, Yeah. So that's how she
0: got the role. Judging by the intensity. Sorry, just judging by the intensity of Al Pacino's acting, that probably like appealed to him on that level. Right. He was yeah. like, now that's acting.
1: Did you guys yeah. notice how much Al Pacino makes the microphone clip in this movie? Like when he's yelling, like, like, I never really thought of it, but I could just see it. Pe- like I could just hear it peaking
0: <laughs> like so much throughout the movie. It's great. <laughs> um, so yeah, now at this point, Tony's going to go to New York and do the assassination on the the Bolivian dude. Um, and right at this point, my stoned brain, for some reason, I, I don't know, I just, I must have just been confused or thinking of another movie or something, but I'm thinking, this has to be a setup against Tony, like, I, for some reason in my brain, I was like, nah, Sosa's like, set this up to to fuck Tony and get him out of his life. But no, we we don't ever find out that that happens, because Tony decides to shoot this shit out of Alberto. It's just like this weird twist of humanity, all of a sudden, like- Do You he's... realize Alberto's the old dude from Breaking Bad with the bell? Oh, yeah. yeah, I do now, <laughs> yeah. you know what I sick. got from
2: this you know what I got from this scene, despite this movie having like tons of people from Cuba and other countries that they speak Spanish, this is the only scene where they converse in Spanish. And in the rest of the movie, we have to hear this shitty, broken English the whole time. Why, why? like my thing in this whole movie, and I know it wouldn't sell and it's Hollywood blah, blah blah, is like if these guys are from Cuba, wouldn't they be speaking in Spanish most of the time and really instead of really poor? broken english wouldn't that make more sense this is the only scene where i'm like this makes sense because they sometimes they they sometimes speak in spanish you know another
1: another thing that always irked me about that scene is like if you're doing like a stealthy like like some criminal shit like literally like hitting a very prominent figure with a fucking detonator shit. why do you have beer cans on your dashboard like literally (laughs) the like the least stealthy spot you could put something in your car <laughs> It's just
2: garbage just all like, over just the like car.
0: budweiser <laughs> yeah.
2: it was a different time in yeah. the
0: 80s <laughs> yeah i uh, i just the humanity here i i got that it was supposed to kind of you know redeem tony a little bit in in the viewers eyes but i just wasn't having it i was mm. like you you've done way too much asshole shit by now that like i yeah i'm i'm glad you didn't kill a, a wife and her two kids but at the same time, like, you're still a piece of shit, man. To be honest um, with you, I
2: feel like it's not in character that he didn't do it. I feel like he'd be like, yeah, man, I need to get out of jail. <laughs> that'd be, <laughs> that'd be the whole scene, like, <laughs> right? Um, like, isn't I that don't know. more?
1: I, 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 I don't know, I think it's more in character for him to not, like, he's, you know, while his, well, they as fucked up as they may be, like, he does live by a set of, of or, you know, a, a certain code. Yeah, by his uh,
2: by his balls It is his yeah, yeah. <laughs> <balls. laughs>
0: Um, but yeah, it's kind of one of the last like real glimpses of humanity you get out of Tony because like right now is about when the uh, coke fueled downward spiral that is maybe the best final twenty minutes in any movie ever, or at least oh, way yeah. up there. He it's goes just...
1: straight up cocaine psychosis, chopping up lines with his hands. Oh yeah, <laughs> it gets
0: pretty crazy he he visits his mom he gets the address for where gina is and it turns out it's manny's place that he has with gina and he shoots the shit out of manny like okay
2: his best friend yeah like that his he brother was like...
0: literally the word manolo like i i believe manolo is like a like a friend term as well like it's his name but anyways that's neither here nor there like him and manny i don't know man they were like super tight like in a yeah. way Tony wouldn't have been shit without manny like, yeah. Manny was, like, his right-hand man the whole time, doing everything he did. Like, Managing it should have been money. called Manny Face. Manny, Manny, face- Manny was <laughs> the.
2: You know, the, the thing The thing I hate about this so much, too, is, like, I get that, like, you're protective of your sister and, like, you're, you're, like, her father figure. But, like, if your sister's gonna be with someone and get married with someone, who better than your very best friend who is your trusted business associate, who you know is... Pretty handsome and rich. Like, what more could you want for your You're sister? <laughs> he literally already said he
0: didn't trust anyone but himself. And the one guy that you actually can trust, you just shot just because, like, he likes your sister? Oh, no.
1: Yeah, I, well, I think it kind of also throws to, and, I, I like, you know, if you ask me, it's pretty intentionally done, but, like, this borderline, like, incestuous uh, love that a uh, hint, that, a that Tony hint, yeah. has for his sister Gina, and the reason why is they, I say I'm pretty sure that they they did it on purpose is because the like the two things m- musically that Tony loves. I uh, like the the themes are the same, basically. So for Gina and for Elvira, their their the music that kicks in when they come on screen is mm. practically identical, mm-hmm. and and it was something that they did very much on purpose. So I think right. that kind of it, it it's not just that 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 Manny has his sister; it's that right. anybody has her, like aside from him.
0: Right, know, so. right, and and like there's 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 a lot deeper of a. Uh of a kind of uh exposition of that yeah, a little bit that, in a little bit. It, we yeah, get, yeah, yeah, we actually um,
2: get exactly what Phil says yeah. comes to life. Too. Yeah, so
0: so it's all coming down around him. They head back to Tony's mansion and we get the other uh college dorm poster standout scene with Tony and the massive pile of cocaine in yeah. front of him on his desk. Yeah, um,
2: that is a lot of schneef <laughs> Yeah he's doing he is doing beers. For months off of that <laughs> stuff.
0: Well and, and like I've so I, I've seen movies where guys are doing lines and stuff, and I even see how the crazy one with the, the massive lines chopped up with his hands. I don't know that in another movie I've seen a guy just stick his face into blow. a pile of cocaine and go Yeah. Just yeah. Blow. yeah. Johnny
2: Depp Johnny Depp does smash his face into large barrels oh, of yeah. cocaine and True like enough. and blow, yeah. <laughs> um, I was watching a,
1: a documentary with him, and, and Brian De Palma's like, you know, people keep asking, I always ask, you know, uh, what what was the coke made out of? Like, what did you use for cocaine? I've never told him until now. It was real, and then of course <laughs> he laughs it up.
0: <laughs> so Tony knows he's not long for shit. So he just decides he's he's going to war. He's gonna go down shooting. He laments the Manny killing, and uh, has the call with Sosa where he basically tells him to bring it on. They're going to war. And, uh, then we get the weird scene with Gina and Tony. Yeah. And it just shows how far shit has gone. Like she's, she basically like pulls out a gun and starts shooting at him, demanding that he take her, take me, Tony. And, uh, since he clearly doesn't want her to be with anyone else.
1: Meanwhile, while this is going on, there's an assassin on the other side of the open window, just like, what the fuck is going on? Who did did did
2: Sosa send me to kill? (laughs) I I agree with that. Like that part scene, I was just thinking that. Like if I was the assassin, I'd be like, well seems worth it i guess like, you know what
0: I mean? well, but at the same time like that's obviously part of the reason he bursts in and like shot the shit out of gino is because like guns are going off and he's like i'm here to kill someone and there's guns going off like i i need to take care of this right now um but yeah the place is just getting stormed here we get tony's last stand and uh, my notes are, are not really that thorough at this part because I just kind of sat and watched it. So, folks, if you want like a play by play of Tony's Last Stand, go watch a YouTube video of it because Stone Brett put down the keyboard and just watched the chaos. Because I obviously... was, I mean,
2: like this scene is so iconic. Like, it, yeah. thank goodness that uh, we don't have to say the line about his little friend, but he yeah. gets his little oh, friend. Out. One.
1: This is my little friend,
2: Richard. Is that no. the one? Yeah, that <laughs> no, one. No. No, okay, no, no, yeah, no. love that it, line. Uh, but my, my favorite part about this scene is that, like, he he does survive quite a lot of gunshot wounds right? before, before succumbing. One <laughs> now, of my facts is, that... is
1: actually, like, Tony believes he can win this gunfight.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, he doesn't. He believes that these bullets can't even touch him, and I'm like, or, Tony, that's the cocaine, dude. I was going to yeah. say, is
2: it the cocaine? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, probably. He can't feel feelings, so... Probably can't feel yeah. bullet wounds well,
1: and <laughs> Yeah, well, didn't they also use uh, cocaine, like, like in medicine, to, like, uh, stop bleeding, suppress bleeding? So I'm that was kind sure of explain that. a little bit of it as well. But, yeah, he goes down swinging. Apparently, in, when in, they were... Sh-
3: What's
1: that? It,
0: I was just going to say, he, uh, just to tie in with the he thinks he can win this thing, like, I couldn't find an actual number of the total kill count of that last stand, but he had to have took out at least 30 people. Oh, Yeah. Like, like he he gave an account he gave a pretty good account of himself. I'll just say that.
1: Yeah. Um I guess Steven Spielberg showed up on set during the filming of this and and there's one shot I couldn't figure out exactly which shot, but he actually was just like Brian DePaul was like you want you want to direct a shot, dude? And like so there's there's one Steven
0: Spielberg shot during that uh, during that sequence. Would it would have been the shootout because I I could see that last scene being very Spielbergesque, but um nobody really knows i guess but uh yeah speaking of that last shot it's amazing in the pool we see uh tony face down in the pool and as it pans up it's got the world is yours yeah. Um, well,
1: we got to say how that happens though. Cause Tony's oh, yeah, absolutely sorry, yeah. kicking ass leading yeah. up to this and he's, you know, they're shooting the shit out of him. He, he has to reload and he's just, stand- no, he drops his gun and he's just standing there like, I'll take your fucking bullets. I'll tell you, know, <laughs> I still standing. and I like just going crazy. The and me out, yeah. Buddy that actually hung Omar from the helicopter back in Bolivia. The skull, the skulls, skulls, right? Up. Yeah wearing sunglasses at night for some fucking reason inside in, in, a, in, a, tactical, in a tactical situation <laughs> and just like fires one shot into Tony. Well, I think two shots technically. I think he went both barrels into his back and that wipes out, uh, you
0: know, that's, uh, that's, that's, uh, Asta Asta la vista, Tony. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then we get the circle back to the world is yours on the brass globe after it pans up and scene like the, I don't know, man. I
1: You got some killer synths that kick in just to kind yeah. of... Yeah.
0: And I was just kind of, like, sitting there while you see the dudes, like, swarming in and stuff, and I'm just like, what a ride that was.
1: Yeah, yeah. And why are they walking so slowly? Like, do they think that, like, nobody else in that fucking neighborhood heard the intense, like, 15-minute <laughs> gun battle with and grenades. grenades and shit? <laughs> <Yeah>. Like...
3: <laughs>
2: It's fun, they, in uh, the, the 80s they're probably all coked up yeah well that's clutter. like I'm like oh you know what probably all the other neighbors
1: are also coke barons I think actually M- Manny even says it at one point we're not the only dopers on the street on this, on <laughs> yeah, this block does. or something he says so yeah. yeah maybe they're just like no I don't want to be the one to call the cops like I don't want to have any reason to have them in this neighborhood
0: <laughs> we'll just yeah. let these Bolivians take care of business oh man like revisiting that just now I feel a lot like I did when I finished the movie. It's just like that. I don't know. It's a wild like, ride,
2: I'm, man. I'm Every time, ride.
1: like, you could watch that movie, and it, like every time at the end, you're just like, yeah,
2: <laughs> like, you yeah. at least for me. And see, yeah, here's I, the thing we got to talk about with this movie. There's like, there's two ways to look at this movie. Like the way, like, douche bros and toxic
0: dudes, like, like the, the like, college dorm poster dudes.
2: Yeah. And so, like, And then there's like the actual film, and like speaking about it from like my point of view, I could care less about like the college dorm, like the I really (laughs) hate I really hate how uh, like people constantly say like say hello to my little friend. Like I hate that so much. But just the
0: the idolization in general to me just makes no sense. Like
2: there's a specific line when they're at the the dinner that Elvira says is like we're not winners, we're or in the bathtub scene, we're not winners, we're losers. And like, it's actually really true. Like, what I took away from this movie is that it, it paints a portrait of a guy from nothing who, like, didn't even know how to speak the language, who makes something of himself through, like, grit and determination. But it comes crashing down because of his hubris and his, like, poor impulse yeah. control. Yeah. And what I like about this movie the most is that it really, really nails, like, the 80s in Miami. Like, I did my research. Apparently, it was actually really like this. Oh, we're, yeah. Like, well
1: if uh, if you want a good a great expl sorry, Terrell, I'll just interject here for a second. A great uh, exploration of that time period is the documentary Cocaine Cowboys. That's exactly um, what I was going to
2: say. It, yeah, you can watch you can watch so many documentaries about this time. And apparently, this is quite spot on. not that, that's what I, I love about this film. I love how spot- in the environment it is in the world that it's created. But what I la- really love is that, like Scarface himself is like an entrancing kind of figure. Like he, Really is like the American dream perverted by like the 80s and the war on drugs and all that shit and greed Um, and greed. But what I love about it is like, no wonder it's so popular, like in hip hop and all these like people that are immigrants and refugees. Because, like, you know, how often do we see a person of color beat the shit out of like the established old white dudes? You know what I mean? I, I love that. I love the scene the little guy beat him up. But what the thing is, is about that it's kind of interesting about it is like, um it can also be misconstrued by this like douche bro culture that we see. Mm-hmm. And they're forgetting the real point of the movie is that like, you know, greed is, is dangerous and too much power means that someone is eventually going to take it away from you. There's always yeah. someone that's hungrier than you. Uh, yeah. Every king, every king loses his crown. You know what I mean? And, yep, and, th- exactly. and that's the thing is like, it, it does have the rag to riches story. Um, but it's really about how greed and power are not sustainable. And I I just really wanted to have this discussion because I love this film now, especially watching it from, like, my film critic mind, I guess, yeah. that I've become with this, this show. But I just really hate the association with it with, like, toxic bro, like, culture. Like, like Yeah. yeah I, well, and, better...
1: well, the thing is, like, this movie is actually an adaptation of a movie from the 30s right. called Scarface. And Al Pacino mm-hmm. actually saw it. And uh, I think it was actually Oliver Stone that he talked to about, about writing it. Um, And, uh, and yeah, and it was the same thing. It's like, yeah, like, you know, like it's, it's Icarus flying too close to the sun, you know, like you want it too much and, and it ends up being your downfall. And then, Mm -hmm. yeah, instead it's just like, like, I think there are like gas stations in, in Hamilton and in the city I live in uh, that just like, 90% 90% of their business is like Scarface blankets and shit. Like, <laughs> like it's, I, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's silly when it's, what it's become in pop culture. I can understand yeah. why, but like, it's like, in order to celebrate that you have to like skip the last 40 minutes of the movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So boys, uh, I guess it's that time to get to the re Um, Anyone want to go first?
1: I'll go first. I'm gonna give this a nine point five out of ten right out off the hop. No question about it. I, I, I the, my, the only question is, should I have ranked it higher? It's one of my all time favorites. I've owned this movie for, I what I don't know, maybe, fifteen years at least. At this point, uh, it's it's just it's so well done. You know, the scoring for the most part is excellent. The acting is excellent. It's one of those movies where they're they're Like there's only one good character, and that's Tony Montana's mom, and like it's just it just captures that world and and paints that picture so vividly, and uh, yeah, it's like, but it also has like it's like it's almost got like a fun romp'y feel to it before the cocaine psychosis kicks in.
2: (laughs) Um, You know what? I'm gonna give it uh, a nine point five as well. I think if you rank like all the best crime movies ever made this Would be like top 10 easily. I think we already did some of the really good ones, like The Departed, um, is a, a really good crime movie. The Town is another one that I love that is a crime movie. Uh, there's so many we could talk on and on, but I think you know, Scarface is, is a really controversial movie, uh, because it was so violent for the time. Um, but underneath all the blood and the cocaine, there's a really, really good movie and a really good performance mm-hmm. from Pacino, uh, that is undeniably amazing, even if his Cuban accent. Isn't really that great and probably ruin Cuban accents forever for for Cubans. But I, I think the way that like he gets rich and he uses money to end up getting killed and ultimately, you know, falls from grace. It's a really cool storyline that we see in, in other movies. And you know, that's really hard to find a movie that's better than this. It's like about crime, like maybe like blow or something. I don't know. Like maybe even blow, I don't even is better like what's the what's a better crime movie yeah i would Scarfet. put this at
1: the top of its class for sure uh as far as, mm-hmm. as you know as far as uh as far as crime movies go. And mm-hmm. it's right up there with another al pacino <laughs>
2: joint uh the godfather you know it's just like there's, yeah. there's heat heat and what else the godfather i would say godfather is probably the number one crime movie and then maybe like yeah some other movies but yeah this one's top 10 easy
0: mm-hmm um i'm gonna give it a nine i like it a lot it's a it's a masterpiece of a movie um i don't like we've already touched on it but i don't like uh where some people have taken what what is an actual wonderful story about the dangers of of getting too big for your britches and uh Made that into some kind of oh it's cool to be you know uh, a badass who doesn't care about anyone, and I, I saw a lot of that um, in my uh, my college days, and it, it really soured what was at the time like one of my favorite movies. Uh, I didn't even want to watch it or talk to these guys about it because just like their ideas of it, I don't know didn't didn't jive with the same things that I saw and the same charms and stuff. That said, it's still it's it's pretty much a near perfect movie and so it's getting a near perfect score 9 out of 10. Nice. So yeah. I think that about does it. Uh unless you guys have anything further to say, I want to just mention that next week we're uh we're lightening things up a little bit. Um our song for the week is uh another vintage classic uh more than a feeling by boston oh
2: finally a, good, a good song finally yeah, i was just gonna say we have
0: we have dallied with the uh the dregs of the musical landscape That's for long enough fun singing the intro for that
1: uh for that particular episode
0: uh, uh, i might go down <laughs> the octave just saying uh, and then our movie uh we're, we're keeping it comedy we're doing Step Brothers. Oh, will ferrell's is gonna double up our-
2: this is my favorite comedy of all time. I am so excited to repeat every line.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah Will, yeah, Will Ferrell.
2: Montana Lions. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, so Will Ferrell gets to join the Double Up Club. So we're excited for that. And uh, yeah, we're excited to, to bring that to you next week. Um, so if you're still with us, thank you for listening. Like we said at the top of the show, please check us out on social medias at the stoners POV interact with us. We'll interact back. We're, uh, we're, we're just waiting for someone to say something. Um, suggest a movie, suggest a song. We're happy to do it. And we're happy to, uh, to give you the props for, for shouting it out. And you know, if if you feel like getting high and taking notes and sending them to us, we'll uh, we will see if there's anything worth, worth shouting out and uh, potentially do that. So just interact with us folks. We know you're listening, okay? We we, we have numbers that say Bradford. that like Bradford. at Bradford.
3: least Bradford
2: here.
0: <laughs> at least twelve people are listening. I um I'm, I'm approaching desperation. Yeah.
2: <laughs> next, and, next next week, Brett's gonna be giving it a prize to someone who answers. <laughs> the first person who answers, I will do yeah. anything.
0: <laughs> but you know what? um yeah, not not acknowledging that elephant in the room certainly wouldn't have uh, potentially brought any interaction. So uh, better something than nothing, I <laughs> suppose. But yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Um, I feel like that's about as good a time as any to uh, to wind this down. So unless you guys got anything else you want to get off your chest, uh, we can we can wrap this up and uh, come back next week with some heaters. Uh, I love you, Wade. Love you, Wade, and Connor, and at least, like, nine other people that I think listen to us. So, uh, <laughs> we know you're hiding. We know you're hiding out there. That's what it is. They definitely are now. Yeah, oh, we can look at, we God. can
2: see the stats. We can see it when you watch We've got analytics.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, did yeah. We make the website. Don't hide. Don't hide. It is cool to like us. We're cool. You can, yeah. you can, you can say that, you know, you listen to our show. It's not going to make you any less cool. So. <laughs> With all that said, thank you for listening. For Terrell and Phil, my name is Brett. This has been the Soner's Point of View. We will see you next week.
3: Good night, everybody. Night.